0: Welcome to Monty Meets, a new podcast where Monty Panasar interviews sports stars and celebrities.
1: Monty will be learning what makes his guests tick, how they became successful, plus the struggles and challenges they have faced and overcome. You will learn something new about each celebrity. Make sure to leave a review and don't forget to give Monty Meets a five-star rating.
0: Hi, welcome everyone. I'm your host, Monty Panassar. So this week, my guest is the first black South African to play test cricket for his country. He's the first South African to take 10 wickets at Lords. Yes, you've guessed correctly. It's Makaya Nadeen. So please follow Monty Meets podcast and give us a review. Sit back and enjoy. So Makaya, how are you doing, mate?
1: Great. How are you,
0: Monty? Are you good? I am. I I love your energy. I think your energy (laughs) is so great that it cheers any person up.
1: But I think, you know, um, I grew up with it, you know, uh, being shouting, uh, you know, shouting for the cows, shouting for the goats and shouting for everyone who's far away from you. And I think the rural areas made us be who we are today because uh, we whistle and then everybody understood and know whose whistle is that. So we we communicate that way. So that on its
0: own, it became me. So tell us about your cricket. You talk about rural area. Is it true you started bowling with with no shoes barefoot? 100% without it even, you know, um, trying and then
1: cover up or sugar coating it. Yes, as a rural boy, you had only one pair for the school and for everything. So that was your black shoes. You know, uh, cricket came across and then they really think or thought that I could be um, one of the, uh, you know, upcoming, you know, uh, a young kid from the rural areas, especially from the development side of things, especially at that time where they were trying to find black cricketers, you know, to start playing cricket. So I was so fortunate that I was part of that, you know, uh, being uh, supported in in in, in my village, you know, so when they had to call us to come and, and do the training and then they found out that we there's so much that is needed to be done from us because we don't have anything no clothes no um shoes no equipment absolutely nothing we only carry our plastic bags that was that was a, the start of uh, of everything so I had to go and borrow shoes from one of the coaches and then he had one pair that was broken as well so I had to put uh, wires around it so that it can um, be attached to a normal shoe. But starting off it, you know, the the same pair of shoes was keep on talking in front of me. Every time I lift my my foot up, you know, that the bottom shoe stays behind, you know. So um, that was my start of of a cricket career.
0: So let's start, you know, with your childhood. You know, you obviously had a very sort of maybe sort of a modest upbringing compared to other people. How difficult was it for a black person to live in South Africa during your time? No, it was, it was not difficult to be honest with
1: you, because if you remember, we were used on what we have. We never look ahead or trying to compete with the neighbors because the neighbors were the same, you know, so if I I don't have uh, um, sugar. I'll go to the neighbor, and then you know, I'll go and borrow sugar from the neighbor, and then they come and borrow it to me, you know. So it becomes that uh, unity where the they, they actually not even the family, the village will look after each other. If your kettle is is uh, with my kettles. I could never leave it behind. I'll take it home with and I'll put it in my in my yard, and then I'll go and tell you that your your kettle is at, at at my house. So that's how we look after each other. So it became quite a nice thing, you know, growing up in that environment because you learn to be very warmed with the next person that is next to you, and then you learn as well to be capable, be capable of uh, able to assist. You know, and then being in, in that environment really taught us very, very well when it comes to humor, when it comes to, you know, not to judge someone who's next to you. Because you know yourself, nobody judged you when you had nothing. So why when you all of a sudden you become a better person, you start judging other. So that's why when I say to you that, uh, you know, life then was very, very simple. We enjoyed every single moment of each other.
0: Yeah, I find it it's interesting how you say, you know, when once you become, let's say, slightly more established in life, mm-hmm. people start making judgments on you and everything. But there's one thing that has never changed about you is your natural enthusiasm. You're full of energy. Um, we're in breakfast, wherever we are. Th- there's there's always this energy about you that never dies. And I, and I wish that it never wills. Uh, you know, you all are, are, are like this all the time. Now, where did this personality come from?
1: No, as, as i explained to you monty you know um we used to sit around the fire so the jokes that we make the laughter that we we enjoyed you know so and then uh, we, t- we we end up loving each other and loving more you know with the ones that you don't know you know so for me it became one of my my best part because there is no way that i can make you uncomfortable even though we don't know each other but if i open up first that makes life easier for you as a person that is next to me so that you can being easier as well, you know, be able to open up. If you want to chat, you chat because you seem as someone that is really reachable. So, so that on its own, you know, it, it, it became me. I remember the day that I met up with, um, uh, Desmond Tutu and, and Desmond Tutu says to me, uh, Makaya, I just want to give you just a word of advice. Don't think that everybody knows you. You must always, when the person introduces himself, you must introduce yourself too. That on its own, it was one of the eye opener when someone on his, uh, especially in his caliber, that could say that to me. Because if he can do that, why will I be able not to do it, or uh, why will I think otherwise? You know, because I think that's how all of us should be not thinking that because you've been on a television, uh, you've done, you know, or you have been on a sport that everybody loves. And then all of a sudden, you think that everybody knows you. If you want to live longer, you need to be as small as you've ever been. It doesn't matter where you are. So that on its own, it gave me an idea of life. It gave me an idea of uh, understanding, you know, uh, yourself, that's number one, and being able to accommodate the ones that are close to you. So for me, going to the breakfast, being able to say hello to the one that they open the door for you, the one that they bring a drink for you and say thank you. You know, those are kind of things that are really, even at my age as well, having kids, I always teach them exactly the same manner that you should be saying hello to each and every single person that you meet. The moment the person sits next to you, getting to the plate, most of the people just sit and open the book or go through their cell phones. They never said hi, but at the moment, even before I said, I said hello. You know that for me, it breaks the ice. Even if I see you that you're not in the mood, you know, of talking. And then, but at least I have done my part. I said hi to you, and then you ignore that. Well
0: and good. Well, talking about being, you know, a humble to to let's say, you know, the people uh, who do a lot, you know, in cricket. Let's say, you know, the unspoken heroes. Um, you was actually a hero at Lords. Yeah. You yeah. was the first South African to take ten wickets at Lords. Um, how important was that, especially being you know the first black cricketer to play for South Africa?
1: No, the, the importance of sport, you know, and I won't say that it, it was most important part, you know, of my cricket career, but I would say when uh, my first time actually um toured in England. We were just uh, two youngsters, myself and Monando Haywood. We were taken just to be part of uh, of the system. So when we get at Lords, and then I looked around, and then I see the heroes of uh, of the game. And then that's when he hits me. And then the worst, then you come to the bowlers' point of view, and then I look at that top 10, that they've taken 10 wickets at Lords, and then I, I saw my favourite you know, player, Marco Marshall. And then I look all around, and I said, there's no South African here. And then I said to one of the coaches I said, if I come back here in the next four years, this is where I'm going to leave my name. And then everybody looks at me and says, are you serious? And says, if I come here in the next four years, I'm going to leave my name here. They didn't believe it. So when I got selected four years later, going back to England, and then one guy came to me and he says, you remember you said four years ago? And then I said, absolutely. I am ready for that. You know, This it, it has been a dream,
0: you know, that I've been waiting for. And then he came through. So was it the groundsman or was it the waiter that you told at the time? You it's know, same, same guy, The the
1: not even the waiter, the room attendant. You know, we had, we had a beautiful guy there. I just forgot his name. Man, he looks after us. You know, he was a guy as well when I took my first FIFA. The moment I left the field, getting to the changing room, my name has already been written. On the other side and then he had a, another one that is pointing to the other one and says the next innings we need you on the other side and then he he was running up and down because he remembered yeah. he remembered when i said you know in the next four years this is where i will be not saying this is where i want to be this is where i will be and then he was so chuffed when uh, when I achieved that, you know, because he kept coming up with the uh, two slices of, of bread and put a, a butter toasted in a glass of milk because that was my lunch.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, very simple, you know, very simple ways back home, like like in your village. But did you keep uh, your special Lucky Charm, your cow dung in, in, in your yes. kit, kit bag? Yes. Uh, how did you know that? Who well, told you that? I, I know everything about you, <laughs> Makaya. Don't you worry.
1: Monty. Yes, I, I thought that uh, nobody will ever expect it. Because if you remember, you know, um, growing up in the rural areas, you know, we used to wait for the car to drop the dunk and then we put our feet into it so that it can be warm. So we continue uh, doing that, you know, right through the, you know, the time of growing up. So uh, that on its own, it gave me an idea of I must always look back always look back all the time. If things are not going well, you know exactly what to do. If you achieve something, you know exactly what to do, you know? And then uh, I think that worked for me very, very well because I always say to my kids that you must always walk with the concrete feet. The reason why I say concrete feet because they keep you grounded. You don't see yourself flying on top of the others. That's where your life then will be so stable in a way that you can never be high you can never be low you're always on the same level grounded is something else you know i think we always we always are mistaken within the being grounded you know that uh, as i said to you walk with your concrete feet you know and then i think as i say concrete feet because you can never overstep you always make sure that your feet are next to each other because you need that stability from from your legs so that's exactly, you know, uh, what I did when I started the cr- my cricket career, getting famous, as the people say. But all of that, how did I overcome it? I said to myself, cricket is my job. If I don't take cricket as eight hours, then I'm missing the point. And then I will never be able to perform today, tomorrow, and the day after. Because if you think clearly, people that they go to work, they leave home at uh, seven o'clock getting started work at eight, coming back at home at uh, half past five. Né? So then if I can treat cricket exactly as that, then I won't be sleeping. Wake up, go for my run, come back, go for my training. Before I go to bed, I go back again to the gym. So that became my norm. You know, running 5Ks or 15Ks at the end of the day, it was not a joke. It was something that it, it has to finish the eight hours, you know, so that's it created the whole environment of understanding how hard it is to the people that they go with sitting in offices for eight hours. And then at the same time, they get paid less than us. But for me to be grounded, as we said, walking around with the concrete feet, I had to have the mentality of eight hours in my in my, in my mind and say, this job is a job that feeds my kids, the job that makes me have a roof over my head. Eight hours, it has to be.
0: Well, yeah, you talk about obviously your eight hours and you talk about um, running to the hotel, to the stadium, but you did recently mention that you actually felt isolated in the team and it was your way of getting rid of that isolation and not being part of the team throughout your career. That's why you did the running? 100%. If if, if you look at it within eight hours,
1: imagine getting I didn't have that mentality of eight hours. I would have probably decided to quit cricket, you know, because if you look at how hard it is from the environment of companies, it's the same thing with an environment of sport, uh, sportsmanship, that on its own, you get judged by your small mistakes. But as a person who wants to achieve more, you tend to make sure that that does not block you, you find a way, you know, to run away from other things, but still being part of the system. But if you want to be successful from your office, you have to either you stay extra hour because you know that you've been judged. You know that you are not comfortable because everybody looks at you. Every single mistake that you make is almost like hitting on you.
0: Yeah. But you you said running was a way of getting yourself because you was, ice. you wasn't part of the team throughout your career. this, this This is why I'm saying this team.
1: Because when, when you look, when you look at the environment of the team, and then you find that you are not part of the team with the, either the discussions, every single thing that is not going well is always been pointed towards your direction. So if you walked inside the bus, the first thing that you look at at, the person that is in front of you, it tells you that, back you didn't perform very well, that's why we're in the stage that we're at. Ne? So for you to avoid those kind of things, you mustn't be where they are you always find a way. Run around, go home, and with your... That's where it made me be stronger. Because by doing that, it gives me an idea, okay, this is how I can be able to manage myself, not being in an environment where that it does not really want you to be. Let me say a prime example. You, you guys are having drinks, and then you are not there. And then you could hear that the, the volume is high. The moment you show your face, the volume disappears. What would you think?
0: I would think that <laughs> I should not be there. That's
1: exactly my point. So then when you see those kind of things that are coming, they actually happens over and over. When you come to the breakfast room, it's the same thing. If you get there first. There's no one who's going to come and sit next to you. They're going to go and sit in a, in a separate corner. The other guy walks in, he sees you, he sees the other guy sitting on the other corner. Instead of coming to you, go to the other guy. And then that tells you something. So for you, then, if you're going to, if you you won't be able to read between the lines. That's when you're going to be, you're going to find yourself on a, on, a, on a position that you can never survive in that environment because you're going to start bringing all of that to yourself. And then you start counting, okay, that happened yesterday, it happens today, it's going to happen tomorrow. So how you survive, find a different direction.
0: So did you face racism during your playing days?
1: Racism, you know, it, it, racism will never go away. You know, racism is part of our lives. But one thing that I make sure of, I don't look for race. Nah, don't look for race. Don't look for anything that you, you're going to find, you know, uh, being a talk of the day. You need to avoid those kind of things. One thing that I made sure of is it's, it's to say, if I'm wearing the same kit that you're wearing, we have one thing in common, is to win. After that, that's your baby. I'll see you tomorrow. And then that worked perfectly for me. Because if you drop a catch for me, it's, it's okay. But you must understand two things. We not doing that. You are not failing me. You're failing the team. So for you and the team to win, you need to catch whatever that I do as a bowler. You need to make sure if the ball comes to you, you catch it. So then the team environment is very good. And then we win in games.
0: Yeah, but um, that's, you know, sounds very sort of in a harmonious way. It sounds, you know, in an ideal world, that's great. You wear the same shirt and we all play together. Yeah. But you playing 100 test matches, you played 101, but...
1: Not getting to 400.
0: That's true. You never got to four hundred, <laughs> but you never, you never got a, a, a an injury, a, a remembrance. You know, yeah. last final farewell test yeah. match, a nice little ceremony. You never got a- acknowledged. That never got acknowledged.
1: <laughs> you know, when you when you when you talking about being, um, you know, uh, getting an, an uh, acknowledgement, I look at uh, Pollock. Pollock was acknowledged. I look at Jar uh, Calis was acknowledged. I look at uh, uh, who else was there the time I was there. We, um other guys, probably they, you know, they get there a little bit. OK, Vernon Philando got to acknowledge. And all of those guys, you know, being put in their shoulders, walking around the field and all of that. I didn't get it. The question it still goes around. And then everybody still asks me the same question. Why? And then I have no answer for it because i could not even understand myself that why i was never been given that opportunity to at least to get to 400 is that because i told them that i wanna i'm gonna be number one in the country and then they knew that if they allow me to get a second chance they will be blown away because i'll be making sure that i break the record of the guy that is in front of me and then making sure that whoever that chase me he has to have lots of years to do that because my aim was to get to 500 within no time because Pollock was one and then 500 was the next target but the moment they knew that that's what I want to do, they made sure that one game that I failed against England, in that case I did not fail, the whole team failed because in Durban we were bowled out twice without even getting to the score of England that is put on the table but going to Cape Town, I was the only one who was kicked out of the team. Look at that. You're looking at, you know, where we started to get here. Yeah. Being the only one being kicked out of the team, the rest of the team stayed. But all of us, but They failed. Then, the following game, thinking that you're going to be called back because we're playing uh, at what, Wanderers. What is Wanderers? Isn't that a paradise for fast bowlers? But your name is not there. The second thing, a month later, you losing a contract and then you ask yourself, what did I do wrong? Not even say that because of the year that we were in, you didn't perform very well. So let's sit down, discuss your contract has to be dropped from A plus to A. But no, 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 none of those things happened. Everything just been cut off, no contract, cheers, goodbye. Why? What was the reason behind all this? This is the same thing that we're still asking today. What was the reason behind this? None of them can be able to, to answer those lessons.
0: Well, I find that fascinating. Someone who's, <laughs> you know, who, who's, you know, you are the, you know, the, the first South African, first black South African to play for his national team. With no injuries. With no injuries. With no injuries.
1: With no injuries. It's not like you came out of the team that you, you were injured. No, there was no injuries. It was the particular day that everybody they didn't perform, but you were yet to be blamed. And then that was your your last seeing yourself wearing green and gold.
0: But it wasn't the last time we saw you playing, because you did play in the IPL for Chennai Super Kings for three seasons. Yes. And what was that experience like? I enjoyed. I enjoyed the moment of
1: um, being part of the Chennai Super Kings. You know, we were looked after very well, and then I think you know uh, it was the the beginning of everything else as well regarding of. Uh, you know, continuing with with uh, with the uh, with the same momentum of, of being playing and then I I did well for Chennai and then I enjoyed every single moment. I don't wanna lie to you. I loved it. I thought as well with the year after that, after the first three years was finished, I could continue. But things are not going well because all of a sudden, there's a lot of players that they came through. And then they're even the IPL starting now to being recognized and getting bigger and bigger.
0: Yeah, I understand. But you must have ambitions to coach in the IPL? Not not for IPL. You know, I think I, I had uh, so much of uh, ambitions to
1: coach in South Africa, you know, because I thought that the moment I retire, is either open a school of excellence or I'll be part of the Cricket South Africa regarding of, uh, you can say, searching for talent. But none of those things happened. And my academy never, you know, uh, took off. I ended up going to Zimbabwe instead of uh, being used at home. So that's another question: Why?
0: Well, it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. So you went opportunities elsewhere. You went to Zimbabwe. You you was there for a couple of years, but years, yeah. two years. But uh, how was that experience like? And why did they fire you?
1: I think I think uh, if if I if I can um, really put up up front, you know, um, according to what I've heard from the MD of Zimbabwe. The MDO Zimbabwe is a new blog from Pakistan and then he just took a job and then uh, as he think I was thinking that he's, um, he's trying to get to know everybody I'll get called in as, as part of the coaching system he says two things and says um, some of the players they're not enjoying the style of coaching and then they're not enjoying you And then my question is, I've been here for two years. I started the first year in Zimbabwe where there was absolutely nothing. You know, we groomed the players, we brought the the love of the game, and then we started winning. And then I became a caretaker. We played India, we played New Zealand, we started doing well. And then history take over. And then all of a sudden, some of the players, they are not enjoying me. And then who are those players that are not enjoying me? They never said it. And then I went and asked the players because I'm an outspoken person. And then I called them in and says, guys, I just came back from the MD's uh, office. And, and the MD says, uh, you guys don't like me. So who are those players? They actually don't like me. Nobody says anything. Nobody knew what's going on. you know. So the next thing, I'll go home because uh, Zimbabwe ended up playing their pink um, test match in South Africa. And then that was just before Christmas. So I didn't go back to Zimbabwe. As I was about to go back to Zimbabwe because it's a new year. I'm receiving a call from the MD. And then the MD is actually watching a test match in Cape Town at that time when he calls me and says, no, you don't have to go back to Zimbabwe. You know, the, your contract is not going to be renewed. And then let um, me I must wait until the team leaves for the next tour. So then I can go and, and fetch my stuff. And then I said, why do I have to wait? I'm being fired. I've been told that my contract is not going to be renewed. Why do I have to wait for the team to leave so that then I can go back to, to collect my stuff? What's, what's the story? He couldn't say anything after that. So I had no idea who was behind all of that, but okay, as we say that life goes on, I said, okay, thank you very much. I appreciate it. But just to know that. Um, I had an absolutely great time in Zimbabwe and then I enjoyed every single moment. If there's any opportunity to go back to Zimbabwe, I may now pick my back and go.
0: But you still have ambitions to coach. Oh, yeah. Uh, and um, But you believe that um, the new well, managing director of South African Great, yes, Graham he Smith, <laughs> he doesn't like stubborn people and apparently he thinks you're stubborn or you think you're, you're, you're a stubborn person. As long as he's under that role, do you think you will ever get the opportunity to be a fast bowling coach for South Africa?
1: The honest truth is, is absolutely no. Yeah, I don't think that he, he he actually enjoys someone who can be honest with him and stand up for him and say this is how we should be going. So by look at all of those things, I think he loves to be in control, not to be um actually being told what what needs to be done. You know so that's that's one of, of, of the other things that i think he really between the two of us you know he mentioned as well that um he, he can't control me you know so i'm difficult to be controlled if we can put it in a nice way you know but that's me what i see is wrong you know i'm allowed to say it, Because at the same time you know uh, if you're gonna give me the team and said okay i want you to look after these guys i must have a say as well when it comes to the selection you can't just select the team and then I. You cannot even um, pass me and say, okay, who are the uh, the bowlers that you have? You think they are fit for particular game. Then I can give them the list and say, no, you choose between these ones. I'm happy any one of these ones. Then why then should I be part of, of the system if you cannot be able to work with me, or communicate with me? If you say I can, I'm, I'm a difficult person to, you know, to, to work with. So without even you finding out why I'm a difficult.
0: Well, some people in leadership positions like the control because then at least they can manage each step and what's going on. And do you, would you say that even though your personality is so good, you're full of energy and it's, you know, lovely to be around, sometimes it can be your downfall. No, I don't think your, your,
1: your, your ability can never be your downfall because you're in control of everything that you do yourself. Because you believe this is the reason why you're actually being involved in a certain environment because of your energy. And then that energy is actually you, it forces you to demand the results of the one that you are working with. Well,
0: yeah, that's what what I believe. I believe that, you know, um, if it's not with South African cricket, it could be somewhere else where your energy fits into that, you know, group of players. Absolutely. So let's talk about. Pat Simcox, because he criticized players for right. taking the knee during the Black Lives Matter. What are your thoughts on this? I think that's that's
1: a, a bias, you know, um, a way to do it. You know, I think, you know, most of us, we've never been in a position of understanding the reason. We jumped into things and, and, and starting pointing fingers instead of saying, OK, what are we trying to achieve here? You know, yes, Black Lives Matters without a doubt. All lives matters in any case. You know, but the the reason of all of that, I think Giddy it, it, it made a, a sense to all of us and says, we have been met as a team, but when we're meeting, I will lay this to the team. So it has to be the team decision what needs to be done. It was not him himself. He never said that I support Black Lives Matters. But for the sake now, all of a sudden, he jumps into that, whereby he's not even part of uh, the setup. He's not even part of uh, any, you know. Uh, I would say provincial, and he's he's, a, he's an outsider. Why then does he jump into something that is not involved in? Training?
0: That's why I'm asking you the question: Why why is he saying something like this when we all know it's a movement to fight equal opportunity for all races? So that that tells you straight away that we
1: even ourselves you know even the 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 time that we have survived they were not happy. So we needed to make sure that we we overperform you know everyone for us to be kept into the system. So to be able to see ourselves and regarding of them there was no doubt for us to be selected because we are equal. So fighting for the the equality of, uh, of, of everybody, you know, it's a, it's a, it's something that I think they, they are way behind of it, not understanding that their time is finished. Let the youngsters work their own way because they in, in actual fact, these kids, they actually studied in the same school, they played from under 15, under 17, under 19, being involved now in the national team. They know each other. I don't think this era, they actually know what is racist. Unless they get taught at home that you must hate the black guy because they they do night overs, sleep overs. Um, yeah, I put it that way. They do sleep overs. You know, they come to my house because I've got a black child. You know, they're white kids, they come and sleep over. Why then will be us now starting to tell my child as a black child and say you shouldn't trust the white kid because their fathers and their mothers are racist? We shouldn't be part of that. We should embrace what they do because that on its own it takes away what we've gone through as 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 as, as, as us you know the the generation that raising them to bring that unity. But that unity has to start from home, allowing the black child to come and visit your house as we're allowing their children to come and visit our house. Then they understand how these kind of families survive. Within all of that, the friendship grows and then the race comes out of the window because now all of a sudden it's almost like the brothers. They know each other. So why are we going to jump when they actually talking about something that they do not know? When they say that they need to, you know, lay that to other players and say, guys, what do you think of this? Because I know that Ngidi didn't know anything about, you know, the Black Lives Matters. But because someone else now jumps into that and say, put that deep in himself, and say, if you don't stand next to me, I will never stand next to you. What is that?
0: Do you think it's a generational gap? Because um, Fab Duplessi said, look, I'm all up for. You know, taking the knee and promoting Black Lives Matter. Um, I think the modern generation understand equality better than maybe people of the sort of 20 years ago, without a doubt. That without even a question on top of it.
1: As I said to you that it, they played from the year uh, under seven, under 10, under 13. Now all of a sudden they meet up again into the to represent their countries. So they don't have that you know uh inequalities because they they never been exposed to it. Now all of a sudden, if I see you, look at myself and you. I haven't seen you since we played together. But all of a sudden, when I saw you, I jump into you, you know, because there's no line between the two of us, you know. That's how they are. When they seeing their ex and the players that they played with them, they they actually it, it brings memories, you know. And then you remember at the we played together under 10s. This is what happened. Yeah, under 19, this is what happened. So all of that it brings back the memories. It brings back the love of the game, you know, into you know into, into something that they are able now to support one another, which is very important. So that's why you know I really took my head off when Favre Duplessis says, "I support this guy." Quentin Dicock says, "I support this guy." You know, you know David Miller, I support this guy. Um, der dissent, I support that. So, just on its own, it should be telling you, as someone that it played twenty years ago, that things have changed. Things have changed completely. So we should not judge the young fellows. We should embrace them and say, "Go and play well."
0: Absolutely, and and I think it's yeah, it's the responsibility of this modern generation to take that step forward. But let's talk about something, you know. You played a cricket game at what Mount Kimajara, Yeah, You know, at the yeah, highest yeah, place. Absolutely. What, uh, what was that experience <laughs> like? Uh,
1: freezing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I think as well, and when when you when you get involved in 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 a, in a certain um, you know uh, initiatives, it really opens up an eye as well that you need to climb the mountain to to play cricket because you are raising funds. You know to. Uh, build a cricket stadium in Rwanda. And then the most important part, because I was part of um, a Rwanda, you know, I was part of the Rwanda um, initiative, you know, to build a stadium. And then that on its own, it does not only impact you, impact another child, because that child, when he's hearing that this stadium, you know, it didn't just be built. The people had to walk a certain kilometers to raise funds so that whatever that we have in front of us could be built oh
0: well, that's amazing you know absolutely amazing um so I want to talk about when you have a bad session and I you go to, and you go to the you'll go to the toilet right and just tell us what you do to make sure you refresh yourself
1: no you know sometimes when you have a uh, let's, let's say a bad session. You know, bad sessions are, are something that, you, um, you know, uh, I always say to myself, I have number of opportunity to reverse whatever that happened.
0: Well, didn't you, didn't you put like, is it true you put urine over your face? <laughs> I didn't want to say that. <laughs> 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 no, it's, it's uh, you
1: know, some sometimes, you know, when people look at you, they don't know what you do, you know, just to motivate yeah. yourself. So, um, I remember that, you know, um, I just forgot the guy that when he walks in, I was actually, you know, uniting uh, my my hand. Yes. And then I I just toyed over me and then put it on my, on my shoulder and then he looks at me and says, what the hell are you doing? I said, at home, when you ride horses, this is what we do. You know, because we know that the other people, they're using the Sangomas and everything. So by doing this, the muti can never hit you. You know, because you are cleansing yourself with the same uh, whatever that comes out of your own body, so that you you actually you'll be more protected uh, protected than anyone else that is cutting himself and putting something in in in, in their bodies because you using your own um, medicine. Because if you have a stomachache, that's what we do as a as, as a rural boy staying in the in the farms and and look after the cattle. There's no medicine there. You make your own medicine while you're there. So by doing that, it actually refreshes me, you know, uh, from the inside and then understanding, I said, this is how I can be able to calm myself down.
0: Well, that's fascinating because <laughs> now, honestly, that is because, um, you know, cow dung was always in your kit bag as a lucky charm. Yeah. This was one of your methods to, you know, get some yourself. <laughs> Yeah, positive energy, <laughs> Yeah, which is obviously brilliant. Um, so if you had to have four people to take with you for dinner, who would that be?
1: Four people to take for dinner, Does include my family or the outside of the family.
0: Well, it depends um, if your wife will be happy who, who you no, take wife, with you.
1: My wife, she's, she's a very free spirit. You know, if you say, okay, take four people because I'm I'm actually being with them uh, every day and um, in and out day and night. So they forever having a dinner with me. <laughs> Now, I had I to think um, very, very um, wisely. If I take four people, are those people um, they will have an impact in my life? Or are those people they have made impact in my life? I have four people. One will be Desmond Tutu, two will be the late um, Kaya Majola. Three, I would say, Dr. Ali Baka. And then, if he has to be four, then he has to be Greg Hayes.
0: Oh, that's an amazing selection. But why? Why did you choose them? Desmond Tutu, Nelson Mandela, both
1: of them are, uh, are in the same category. You get Dr. Ali Baka, and you get um, Kaya Majola. They are the founders of us. These ones, they inspired us regarding of the apartheid. These two, they inspired us because of the, the cricket environment. And then, uh, um, Greg Hayes is the one that he could speak our language. When he took us from the rural areas and sent us to the white schools, then that's where we started understanding ourselves. Learning English was the one of the difficult, um, thing for us. But when he says to you, when I brought you here, I had a reason. So please stick around. You will see it at the end. That on its own, when you listen to or when those um, things play back into your mind. And then you look at yourself where you are. And then you start counting backwards and say, if I didn't listen to these guys probably I'll be still in the rural areas that's hit me because every time I go back to the rural areas seeing my fellow brothers it gives me a lot of thoughts because they don't survive as I have survived they don't live the way that I live they are in a poverty way that is the only thing that they do is that they sit in a pub the whole day they've got absolutely nothing to do as a person who comes from the same village and then being where I am today and then it goes back and I say, play back the tape and then look at yourself and look at them and then just imagine yourself. You didn't take those opportunities that you were given. Probably I will be living the same life that they are living. Come to Desmond Tutu. When Desmond Tutu says to you, Never, never, ever think that everybody knows you. You must always introduce yourself, regardless of us. Come to Nelson Mandela. When Nelson Mandela says to you, go home and tell everyone at home that you are a star. Are you hearing these two things. Never underestimate people and thinking that they know you. Go home and tell everyone that you're a star. Forgetting wise, Kaya Majora, before he he, he died, comes to me and he says, the world, oh, not say the world, the country depends on you. Now he's not talking about the black people only. He's talking about their whole nation. It depends on you. Then, Put those things together. Those are three. Um, Dr. Ali Bacha. When Dr. Ali Bacha talks to you, he doesn't talk to you on the phone. Brings you in and sit down with you so you can look at each other eye to eye. Whatever that you say, you can say it right in front of him. He became a father to us. Greg Hayes, if I had to add on him as well, because he was our funder. And then you have all of those guys that actually made so much impact by just saying a word, not being there, you know, just by the passing of the word. And then all of a sudden that on its own, it brings a a second light, you know, to your darkness because everything that you do wrong, you always quickly refresh your memory and say five people, that they looking at you and then they see you as someone that you can carry the flag of this country just by playing the sport that everybody loves, which is the white dominant sport. And you're the only one that is among them. And that one is old. Every time I look at the pictures that since I started 97, 98 until 2011, you can see that I was the only one that has the, the African hair among the rest. And then, as the year goes, you're starting to see the development of Black creditors coming through, coming through, coming through. And then now there's more than a handful. But where does that start? It started by me being there and taking all the.
0: That?
1: So, that on its own, it really most of the time I don't put attention into it. Because that's the history. That's the past tense. You know, but it gives me goosebumps every time I see a fellow brother being kept. Because I know exactly how that feels. You know, so that that's one of those things that I think those four, including Greg Hayes, they've made it so much Impacted my life just by the word of mouth, not saying that they were there for you all the time when you need something. They're the first one to put their hand up. No, just by passing the message and then they move on and look for another another person or something else to do. But as 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 a, a I'll say that uh, as a person who's been raised in on a, a poverty and then have those kind of people that they really want to see you doing well. You can't let them down. You have to work extra hard for you to stick around and then you make them proud more than you making yourself proud.
0: Well, I must say it's absolutely fascinating to hear them thoughts and that the people, you know, the influencing people in your life that have given you some, you know, fantastic advice. And you are a role model for South African cricket. You are the role model, not in cricket, but for black people in South Africa. What does the future hold for Makai Netini? And Monty,
1: I think, you know, sometimes we, we tend to, to think so far ahead of us. Not saying that we are not thinking. But at the same time, you need to reserve your thoughts, but you know that you have it. You have so much of, uh, thoughts around you put them down, but sometimes you find they it's a waste of time to put them down. You just have to take a day as it comes. Anything, you know, uh, for me that will come as, um, one of my strongest point, I'll jump into it. Supersport, they've been very, very good, you know, to me regarding of, um, commentary, you know, they, look after us very well, you know, they they do things that um, an ordinary company will never do it. You know, uh, we just came out of COVID. They didn't call us and say, guys, you know, going to be paid, you know, they continue, you know, um, giving us the service that we didn't expect them to do so. Because most of the companies, they lost the people, they've lost their jobs, companies have closed, you know, and then you find people now they're jobless. So I would definitely say this, you know, uh, the future is to see myself not only being um, an analyst, only at home, to go abroad, being able to embrace the and, and, and grow the talent. You know, I know that I've got knowledge that other people they might have not even thought of because the history of us and the history of, um, you know the cricket that we played and then understanding the weaknesses and the strength you know of the players that they are actually playing today and then you find that if they had to change there and there there and there they will have been they could be better cricketers you know so that's where i think you know um, my future lies because i don't see myself coaching for south africa you know and then i don't see myself um being able to be part of our provincial system because if you you know, retired nine years ago, but you haven't been even just a single training session. You know, people to call us and they come and help us, but you are there. So that says something about you. That says something about the people that they surrounded you and the people that they are holding. You know, um I will say the strawberries at the top because the strawberry is red and then it's quite nice to be eaten if you want to eat it alone you don't want anyone else who will have more knowledge than you to come through because you're gonna look bad because that person will be actually do your job because you can't do it you know so that's one of the things that i i really think that's a reason you know for them not to being able to use me
0: well i think i think you'll be used not in south africa i think you can be used as a global representative you know for your community and what you've done i just wish you all the best uh you know for being um so honest uh with me on this podcast and also i really wish that actually um you know you are used more of a a, a figure in africa not just in south africa man munti
1: you know if those doors can open you know that would be you know the the light of everything that i wanted to do you know and then yes yes you're quite right you know i cannot only look in front of me i should look even outside africa you know africa is it's part of of me you know and um, i i am an african as tabo begi used to say and says that he's an african so he's not just only him an african i'm part of of the list of being an african so i am definitely if any other countries could say, come around man, I'll pick my bag and go you know, because that's that was one of my first, you know um, thought that I want to give back, you know, if you cannot be used in your own country other people will use and then I'm definitely, I will put down my foot and, and make sure that everything that I do and then I leave them with the knowledge of, um, of everything that I've, I've, I've learned right through my career and being able to, to change lives, you know, and then uh, probably your broadcast will definitely change that.
0: Well, absolutely, you know, I, I, I would just like to say, you know, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, being so honest, you know, you are, you know, um, you know, that first black cricketer to play for South Africa. I think you've got a lot of, you know, things to do for the community outside cricket. And we all look forward to seeing how the initiatives and the projects you get involved with to help to raise, you know, black people's equal opportunity around this world.
1: Thank you very much, and then yes, I am available. Thank you, Monty. Okay.
0: Thank you. Well, thank you for listening to my second episode with Makai Natini, who gave an honest account of what is it really like, you know, once you're out of the system, how difficult it is to get coaching roles. And gosh, every test match, you ran to the hotel as a warm down, as a way to, you know, process how the day went, What an athlete, what a competitor. And now he has a very successful, you know, commentary career in South Africa. And I'm sure he'll be used for many other services, you know, because he is a true icon in South Africa. Well, next week we have when Jonty meets Monty. Yes, the worst fielder in test cricket against the best. So stay tuned and I look forward to seeing you all there.